It says this, praise God. For we walk by faith, not by sight. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We've kind of modified this, but this was, you know, I mean, tweaked it a little bit, but this is the basic concept of what the Lord said to us. He said, if it's not a step of faith, it's a step taken towards an inferior life. If it's not a step of faith, it's a step taken towards an inferior life. The pathway of faith that is before us tonight, that we have the choice to walk, is the pathway that leads to the life that God created us to live. It leads to the fulfillment of your purpose, the, the fulfillment of your destiny. And so the enemy of your soul is trying to pull you, draw you, entice you, lure you off of the pathway of faith onto an alternate route. We get so caught up talking about sin and what's right and what's wrong. Can you do this and go to heaven? If you keep doing this, will you go to hell? Can you do this and God still love you? Blah, blah, blah. And we miss the bigger picture of this thing. We miss what the temptation is all about. We miss what the enemy of our soul is trying to do to us. He's trying to lure us and entice us any way he possibly can off of that pathway of faith onto an alternate route because any step taken that's not of faith is a step taken towards an inferior life. So the Bible says that we walk by faith, not by sight. I want you to begin to say that about yourself because remember the Word of God has the power within it to produce the result that it states. So if you will confess over your life, even if you're struggling walking in faith, I walk by faith, not by sight. Father, help me walk by faith, not by sight. Father, show me by your Spirit when I'm walking by sight instead of walking by faith and help me correct, cor quickly correct myself so that I will not be taking steps towards an inferior life but continue to make progress deeper and deeper into the life that you created me to live. Now we said that walking by sight is going about life based upon the way things look, seem, or feel. And I've asked you and I've prayed and I've asked the Holy Spirit for me and you that when we, I found myself even like in, in, in working on uh, letters or, or, or doing some writing or even sending emails, you know, when, I, when that word feel or when that, it, I see, it seems like or I feel like, no, 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 we, got, we need to make a decision right there. It's too vague. You know, are, are, are we feeling or are we believing? Are we going by the way it looks or are we going by what God's Word says? Are, are we going to allow ourselves to be, uh, you know, man, manipulated by the enemy and circumstances and situations by living our life based upon the way things look, seem, or feel? Or are we going to shift to that higher gear? So walking by sight is simply put, going about life based upon the way things look, seem, or feel. Walking by faith is going about life based upon what you know is true but not yet visible. Well, how do, how do we know what's true but not yet visible? The Word of God. Now, in the course of this study, I, I've, I've been trying to give you some, I don't want to call it homework, just some things to work on, not just at home, but in life, right? And one of the things that, again, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to help us all become better and better and better and more equipped and more equipped to do is ask one simple question. Anytime we face a decision, anytime we face some circumstance or dilemma, anytime we face or in the middle of some situation that we're trying to figure out what to do next, we're vulnerable because this is where the enemy very subtly, very gently, even at times very deliberately without you even knowing he's doing it, 
He wants to shift your thoughts and focus on the way things look, the way things seem, the way things feel based upon the way things have been in the past, right? So what do we need to do to wake ourselves up in these moments of crisis, in these moments of decision, in these moments of confusion, in these moments where we've, we're faced with something that has to be dealt with and, and it would be just absolutely ridiculously wrong to try to sweep it under the rug? We need to ask ourselves one question. Five words. What does the Word say? Notice we'll go to the WebMD, we'll, we'll go to people who've been in similar situations, we'll ask our neighbors, we'll ask our friends. We want to know what they say. We want to know what other people have done who have faced similar situations. It's sad to me, but you know, sometimes we ask our Christian friends because we think they're men and women of God, men and women of faith, who've been through similar things. And so we say to them, you know, what, you know, what would you do? And unfortunately, far too many times, we even get from our Christian friends something other than, what does the Word say? So rather than asking your Christian friends their opinion, ask them, what does the Word say? Can you help me here? When they start telling you what they think, say, listen, I appreciate what you think, but I'm not interested right now in what you think. I want to know what the Word says. And if they don't know what the Word says, go find somebody who does. But this is the question we need to ask ourselves in every situation. The, this is where we need to set our focus. Because what the Word says is going to take you down one path, and what it looks like, seems like, and feels like is going to take you down another path, and that path is going to be towards an inferior life. Now, We've been looking at different things. We looked, first of all, at the first temptation, and there's a message that's there for you to, to listen to if you haven't heard it yet. It's called Lessons from the First Temptation. And these are things involving the temptation of Eve and Adam, Adam and Eve in the garden. And of course, what we see is that the enemy could not be successful in deceiving them into sin until he got them to shift their focus off of what God said to how things looked, seemed, and felt. When Eve looked at the fruit in a way that she had never seen it before, the fruit looked good. Looking at the fruit in a different light caused her to feel something visceral for the fruit. And it now seemed reasonable to eat it. Unless that had happened, she would have never eaten that fruit. If the enemy could not have deceived her into looking at it a different way, feeling about it differently than she originally felt, and, and it would have never seemed reasonable for her to eat it. I guarantee you, ask her when you get to heaven, I guarantee you she thought she was doing something that was going to help her and her family. She did not think what she was doing was an act of sin. But it was. Now, another base layer that we've been trying to put in place is this statement. Tests, trials, and temptations come because of the Word. One more time. Tests, trials, and temptations come because of the Word. 
You say, well, why else do they come, Pastor Mark? Tests, trials, and temptations come because of the Word. Okay, we got that already. I'm taking notes, Pastor Mark. Why else do they come? Tests, trials, and temptations come for one reason and one reason only because of the Word. You say, well, you just confused me, Pastor Mark, because I was, I was tested and tempted and tried by different things in the flesh and sin and, and all those things before I ever knew anything about the Word, so I don't see how that can be true. Tests, trials, and temptations come because of the Word. Well, you ain't got to get so harsh about it, Pastor Mark. I was just asking a question. How could it be because of the Word when I've never heard the Word and I was tested, tempted, and tried? Is anybody putting two and two together? That was the devil's efforts to try to keep you from ever hearing the Word. It all comes down to the Word. If you never hear the Word, you'll never be saved. The devil has tried your whole life to separate you from the Word of God, to keep you from hearing the Word of God. And if you were to somehow slip through his best defenses and hear the Word of God, he's going to come immediately to try to steal the Word that you heard from your heart before you understand it. Every difficulty, every heartache, every temptation, every sin, every one of those issues, everything leading up to things you have dealt with today along those lines, it has been because of the Word. Either to keep you from hearing the Word, or if you hear the Word, to try to steal the Word. If you can't steal the Word, to put pressure on the Word, to get you to back away from the Word. And if you don't back away from the Word, then He's going to try to grow other things up in your life to choke the Word out. It's all about the Word. He doesn't want you to hear the Word. If this sounds arrogant, you pray for me. It's not arrogance. It's confidence. The devil has tried to keep you as far away from me your whole life as he can. Because I'm going to take the Word and I'm going to explain it to you and the Holy Spirit is going to help me so that if you want to know what the Word says, you're going to know it when you leave this building. And we will settle for nothing less. Because it's all about the Word. And we're not going to be deceived about it anymore. Every bad report that you've ever received from a doctor is nothing more than the devil trying to steal the word from you that says by his stripes you were healed. He's trying to rattle you. He's trying to confuse you. He's trying to shake you. And he's trying to get you focused off of that onto how it looks, seems, and feels. Oh my God, what are we going to do now? Oh my God, how are we going to pay for this? Oh my God, what about this troubled child? Oh my God, what, what does the Word say? What does the Word say? 
That's the question we need to ask ourselves. And when we find out what it says about our situation, we need to grab hold of that and not turn loose of it. Grab hold of that. And, and absolutely, when we've done everything we know to do to stand on the Word, keep standing. I want you to picture the Word of God in your grasp. And I want you to picture that sorry devil trying to pry that Word out of your grasp. That's what he's trying to do. Because he knows that if he does not separate your faith from that Word, he cannot stop that Word from producing its results in your life. It's the only chance he has. And so he rolls the dice and he risks strengthening you and your faith by trying to pry it from you because he knows that if he doesn't pry it from you, he can't stop you. But if he does pry it from you, he has stopped you. But if he tries to stop you and he doesn't, he's just going to make it harder for him to try to pry it out the next time. And you keep holding on and one day you'll wake up and shazam, you're living a lack-nothing life according to what James chapter 1 has to say to us. What does the Word say? Listen to me now. If you're facing a challenge, a situation, a problem in your life, in your family, you don't, you don't need to leave here tonight until you know what the Word says. Matthew 13 says, Let's read it, verse 20 and 21. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word, immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises, notice what it says, because of the word. Immediately he stumbles. He said it arises because of the word. Turn with me, please, to James chapter 1. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -mm -mm. <clears throat> James chapter 1. And let's begin at verse number 2. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your, what does it say? Faith. The testing of your faith produces patience. First John says, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. There is nothing in this created realm that your faith cannot overcome. There is nothing in this created realm that your faith cannot move out of your way. There is nothing in this created realm that is superior to your faith in God and His Word. And according to Romans chapter 12, verse 3, God has given every person in this room the measure of the God kind of faith. He's given you faith. Okay? Now. But faith... requires the Word of God. The two become, it's like seed in the soil. This is why you can go to a place that has never heard the name of Jesus a single time 
preached to them the word of God concerning the gospel of the kingdom. And faith will awaken in people's hearts and they'll get born again. The faith that's always been there now has come in contact with the word of God and a reaction takes place. So now listen to me, please. The tests, trials, and temptations are all different forms of pressure the devil applies to our lives because we have heard and received the Word of God in our hearts. So when he says the testing of your faith, for those of you who are new to this study, that word is the same identical word that's translated just a little bit further down in this, in this chapter as trial or as tempt. So the same word in the Greek means tests, trials, temptations. So tests, trials, and temptations, they're related, but they're different. But all of them are different forms of one thing, pressure used by the devil applied to our lives because what? We have heard and received the Word of God in our hearts. Now let me walk you through a few things here. So watch this now. Faith is awakened, because you have faith, Faith is awakened when we hear the Word of God and it is released when we align our thoughts, words, and actions with it, with the Word of God. Watch this now. Faith is awakened when you hear the Word of God. There are a lot of people who have misfired. In other words, they've had their faith awakened, but they haven't released it. Faith is a force. Faith is a force. Faith is a force that can make your body well again. Faith is a force that can cause a fig tree to wither up and die from its roots. Faith is a force that can connect with virtue flowing from God and bring healing into your body. Faith is a, is a very powerful, it can move a mountain. All right, you follow what I'm saying here? But it has to be released. And before it can be released, it has to be awakened. So faith is awakened by hearing the Word of God. And then it is released when we align our thoughts, our words, and our actions with it. Because faith without works, faith without a corresponding act is dead. Dead meaning dormant. Are you getting this? It's dormant. It can be awakened but still you know, in, a, in a state where it has not yet been released on your behalf. So the trying of your faith is the different forms of pressure used by the enemy to redirect your thoughts, words, and actions away from the Word back to the way things look, seem, and feel. Are you following me tonight? I'm just, I know this is simple. I know we've been over this. and I, I told uh, my class this morning, I said, I've said the same thing to you four different 
four different times, and I'm, I'm trying to say it four different ways. So you hear the word. I mean, some gray-headed guy was hollering at you just a minute ago. I didn't mean to holler, just passion, okay? You got that already. Right? And I believe if, again, I believe if you was, you know, plugged in, that, man, something was already stirring inside of you. Yeah, man, what does the word say? What does it say? That's the faith. That's faith being aroused, being awakened, man, God speaking. So now we align our thoughts and our words and our actions with it. Remember now, the devil never wanted you to hear it. He never wanted your faith awakened. He's going to try to steal it immediately before you ever get to this next part where you begin to align your thoughts and thinking with, wow, man, this would be my God supplying my needs according to his riches. And you start thinking along those lines. You start, you start aligning your thoughts with that. You start confessing it yourself. And then you start taking steps of faith on this pathway of faith. Yes, you follow, we're walking in faith now. So the devil says something like, oh man, I guess I'll go mess with somebody else. No. So what is he going to do? The trying of your faith, test trials and temptations. Again, they're different forms of pressure used by the enemy to redirect your thoughts, words, and actions away from the word back to the way things look, seem, and feel. We have to come to terms with what the devil is actually after. What he is trying to accomplish by manipulating this pressure against us. And it all comes down to the word of God. The temptations we deal with are for, far more than the devil trying to see if he can get us to sin. And then sit, sitting back and laughing at us because he won. There is something far more involved here. On a side note, Satan knows better than the average Christian, whether they understand it or not, that your sins have already been paid for. And in light of eternity, him getting you, enticing you, manipulating you into sin, has nothing to do any longer if you're born again with heaven or hell. It has to do with you and me walking out our destiny in faith on this planet. And the stronger you become in faith, the greater the threat you become to the devil. Now, I know I'm about out of time. Let's, a few more if we could, please. Sin, by its very nature, come on now, is a violation of what? It's a violation of God's word. Think about it now for just a moment. The Bible says that whatever is not of faith is sin. Right? So we know then that whatever is sin is not a faith. It's just a real elaborate way to say that if we're going against violating God's word, we're not in faith. We're, we're aligning our thoughts, words, and actions with something other than what God said, which is the opposite to faith. And by the way, whatever's not a faith is sin. Remember, sin means to miss the full scope and true end of one's life. We look at an individual act, face value. No, 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 it's a bigger picture. Let's look at the bigger picture. So do you see why we say a step taken outside of faith is a step taken towards an inferior life? Now, skip down with me, same chapter, James, to verse number 12. It says, blessed is the man who endures 
test trials and temptations. Now let's talk about what that means. We hear the word, faith is awakened. We keep hearing the word and faith is not only awakened, now faith's being fed, it's getting stronger. Faith by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We start to align our thoughts with the word. We start to align our confession. Do you realize how, again, the devil battles us in our mind, but do you realize the doctrine of faith confession, confessing the word, has been one of the most maligned and attacked biblical doctrines in the history of the Christian church? It is so uh, dismissed. It is even ridiculed. Name it. Oh, one of them name it and claim it. One of them blab it and grab it. What is the devil trying to do? He's applying pressure because he doesn't, he don't want you to hear it, but he's too late. You've heard it. He don't want you setting your mind on it too late. You're already thinking about it. So what is his next line of defense? Whatever we can do to stop them from saying it out of their own mouth, keep you from confessing it right. Because now you're starting to release it. You're starting to return back to him the word that he sent to you. And the devil don't like that. He's trying to stop you, right? Now, we, we just gone completely crazy as far as some of your family members are concerned and the devil's concerned, is we're not just thinking the word. We're not just meditating on the word. We're not just muttering the word. We're not just confessing the word out of our mouths over our families. Now, we're actually starting to do, act upon the word of God. Devil's getting nervous now, so what, what, what's he going to do? He's going to start putting pressure on you to try to redirect, realign your thoughts, words, and actions with the way things look, seem, or feel. What happens if you endure that pressure? <laughs> That's what he's talking about right here in James. Chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now, I'm particularly impressed with men and women who are called to produce translations of the Word of God. There's a lot of folks like to sit back and take shots at them. I personally believe that anybody who undertakes that kind of assignment is not doing it for the money, not doing it because... They don't have something else to do. I'm not, there's nothing better to do, but not something else to do. And so you have ones that have come to the surface as of late. The Passion Translation is one that I've been made aware of here in the last few months. The Message Translation. I like to look at multiple translations in different verses. We amplified all of these because words have meaning and any help that we can get from godly people to understand the meanings of the words, the better. That's the way I look at it. Now, if you have a different opinion, we can go to heaven together. It's okay. I, I took a stab with, I believe, the Holy Spirit's help to take a portion of James chapter 1, verse 12 and, and translate it using some of the terminology that the Lord has given to us here of late. And this is how I believe it would read, okay? Blessed, and that word blessed means empowered by God to prosper. Blessed, empowered to prosper is the man who does not succumb to the pressures that arise because he received the word of God in his heart, but continues to align his thoughts, words, and actions with the word in spite of the pressure to align them with the way things look, seem, and feel. That's what he's saying in the first part. 
of James chapter 1, verse 12. Verse number 13 says this, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. That word evil there means kakos. It means to stop short and pull back of the full measure. So again, do you see how that fits in? The pressure of the enemy trying to get you to pull back from the word. God says that no man say, I'm testing, tempting you, or trying you, because I cannot be tested, tempted, or tried by evil, nor will I test, tempt, or try any man by evil. It's not, it's not God trying to get you to pull back. It's the enemy. It's not God trying to see what you're made of. Crying out loud, he knows everything, but doesn't know what you're made of, right? Give me a break. But each one is tempted... When he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed, then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. We get from this passage what we're drawn away to or what we're drawn away by. We're drawn away by our own desires and enticed. What is left for us, because it's very clear from the context, but again, what is left for us, the question that is left for us to answer is not what are we being drawn away to or what are we being drawn away by, but what are we being drawn away from? Yes? Well, I think you probably already know the answer, right? He's trying to draw us away from the Word. <laughs> He's trying to draw us away from, from the Word. I'll finish here. Let me just finish this, all right? Drawn away from the word. This is, will be a different translation of this part. Drawn away from the word by his own appetites. That word lust there, it literally means appetites. Drawn away from the word by his own appetites and beguiled. That word enticed there, it means beguiled. Beguiled means deceived, but it's a different kind of deception. Beguiled means to be deceived by something attractive and clever. Are you following me? To be tricked into an action that delivers the opposite of its promised outcome. Can I give you a one word definition of beguiled? Hoodwinked. Hoodwinked. Drawn away by his own appetites, from the, drawn away from the word by his own appetites, and hoodwinked. I'll begin here next Wednesday night, but listen to me, please. I could stand here and list many different kinds of temptations that we face. Some of those temptations may be an issue for you. Some of those temptations that we could talk about are no temptation whatsoever for you. There are things that are powerful temptations for me. There are other things that if there was never another one of them on planet Earth, it wouldn't bother me at all. 
So we could stand here and we could list every possible kind of temptation that exists on, fan, on planet Earth. I was trying to say that we face and on planet Earth at the same time. On planet Earth, on planet Earth. And we could, after finishing that list, make another list of all the different various kinds of tests and trials that we have faced, may face, will face, are facing. And the truth of it is these things take on different forms in our lives at different times. Throughout our lives, anyone who's lived through puberty, say amen. Thank you for your honesty, brother. Amen here too. But every single one, every single kind of temptation, every single kind of test, every single kind of trial without fail is meant to accomplish the same result. Hoodwink you and me into turning our thoughts, words, and actions away from the Word of God. Stand with me. Ever been hoodwinked? <laughs> I'm wondering if some of you younger folks need me explain that later. I think we may have that, right? Hoodwinked. It made me think of that shell game where they put the thing in there and try to shuffle it up and confuse you. Bait and switch. Keep your eye on the ball, you know what I'm saying? No, keep your eye on the word. Keep your eye on the word. That's what the enemy is always trying to shuffle things around. Just imagine all three of them coconut shells there and the devil asking you to pick and you just look at him and say, what does the word say? I don't care what's in there, any of them shells. What does the word say? That's the only thing I want to know. You see what I'm saying? That, he's trying to hoodwink you. Care what's under that? What's the word say? That's all I'm interested in. You will drive him absolutely bananas. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, help us to never be hoodwinked again. Help us, Father. Lord, the lie of the enemy is that if we go with that Bible stuff, we're going to be let down. We're going to be disappointed. It's never going to work out. He's such a liar, Father, because as long as we're walking in faith, we're winning. Even if the world thinks we're losing, we're still winning, Lord. Father, teach us. We humble ourselves before you now, sir. Even those among us who believe that they really got this whole walking by faith down pat, Lord, we humble ourselves, every one of us, no matter how experienced or inexperienced we are. In this, we humble ourselves because if any man or woman thinks they know anything, they know nothing yet as they ought to know it. So we humble ourselves, Father, before you. And we say, please, sir, teach us how to walk by faith. And make us keenly aware the split second, Lord. We don't want to take Lord, if, if we just start to veer towards taking a step in the direction of an inferior life, we want you to make us aware of it. Father, the devil has tormented men and women in this room with worries and stress and anxiety and confusion and questions and 
concerns and situations based upon the turnout in other people's lives, what they may be expecting and all this other stuff. And Father, that's not who we are. That's not who we are, Father. We're faith children of a faith God. And we boldly confess over ourselves, over our families, and over this family of faith. We walk by faith, not not by sight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If nobody